This is the I Am Redemption podcast, and today I am very honored to introduce our special guest. He is two-time world champ, Mr. Jesse James Leha. Sir, I cannot tell you how excited I am to be sitting here with you today. Thank you, Sean. Appreciate you. Beautiful ring, beautiful gym you got here. It's an absolute honor to sit down with you. Um, I can't thank you enough for taking the time. And, uh, you know, this, these whole past two weeks, I've been watching your fights and, and reading up on you. Um, again, such an honor to be thank here you with so you. Much. Appreciate you. Me and you talked a little bit on the phone, and you, I mean, you just told me one brief story that, that, that was pretty wild, but I can only, a lot of the people that I have come on the podcast, they come from all different walks of life. Um, this is the first time I've been blessed to be able to talk to a fighter, and, and I follow fighting pretty closely, and so mm -hmm. I don't know, one thing you always hear about people that get into fighting is, you know, there's not a lot, a whole lot of people that come from come from come from means that decide to get into a fighting there had to be a reason that you know you first decide to to want to step in the ring and then pursue this as a career or anything like that so like where did this all where did this all start for you well you know they say there's a fighters come from good fighters i'm saying i'm not good fighters come from a you know where they don't have money they have to find a ways ends to to make things happen uh the family came from not much money at all, and they fight to get somewhere. I didn't have that. I had a great childhood. Oh, I was, really? I had, my parents both worked. They had, we got everything we wanted. Mm -hmm. um, we had go-karts when we were 10, 12 years old, go-karts and mini bikes, and we wrecked them. My parents would get us another one. We were spoiled kids. My, our parent, my parents spoiled me, and my brother and my sister. I had a car when I was 15 years old. My parents bought me a car when I was 15. We weren't rich. But we, we were family, we had each other, and my parents, they always said, as long as you work hard and you do good things, we'll, we'll get things for you. And sometimes we were dumb and silly, but when I was 18 years old, I got in trouble um, and uh, was put in jail for like 36 hours. And when I was in jail, uh, I said, I can't do this to my parents, man. I'm not this type of kid. Uh, what am I doing? I said, I gotta do something with myself. I said. My dad used to be a fighter back in the 60s. He was a very good fighter, but he didn't want us to fight because of the obvious head trauma, getting hit, no money, the whole bit, you know, it just, and he didn't want us to fight. And so, but when I was there, I said, I'm gonna get myself in shape through boxing and maybe join the fire department or the police department, mm -hmm. do something. And that's why I started boxing. Really? And I was 18 years old. So your, your dad was the, was the inspiration, you think, for you to first get in there? Well, that wasn't the inspiration. The inspiration was just be better and be a better person and get okay. in shape so I could do, either go to the fire department or the police department or something. I had to be better than what I was doing. I, was, I right. wasn't a bad kid. Yeah. I just did something stupid, but I, I needed more in my life. Right. I needed more structure. I needed more uh, a goal in, in front of me to, to reach and to and get, be a better person. Right. And, um, but my dad was against it. My mom was against it as well. They said, no, you're not gonna box. We don't want you doing this. And I said, well, I'm going to use it to get in shape. Mm -hmm. And two and a half years later, I'm in the Olympic trials. And so it just, just happened by, by accident or by, by luck, whatever right. it was. And, and then after that, I turned pro in 1988. At, at what point from when you, when you started boxing just to, to get in better shape, at, at what point did you like kind of look around and realize you're like, oh, I'm, I'm good at this? Well, the first two fights that I had, I lost. Okay. And I said, well, this ain't going the way I thought it would go because I, you know, I thought I was better than that. Um, and there's, a, there's divisions too. When you first 
start fighting as an amateur, there's like a novice, which is 10 fights or less. There's an open division, which is 10 fights and more. And, and those are the two that you pick from. Well, obviously, I didn't have any fights, but I went straight to the open division, which oh. is 10 fights and overs. And I lost my two, because I thought, you know, well, they were telling me, you're a pretty good fighter, you're doing pretty well. And I said, okay. So I said, let's go to the 10 fights and over. And I lost my first two fights. But after that, it was, you know, something happened where I just kept winning and, and, and you know, getting the best out of myself and, and boxing. But the whole thing was, I was still thinking, when I'm done with this amateur thing, I'm gonna, after I'm done with the Olympic trials, I'm still gonna try to go to the fire department or, or the police department. Right. And um, during that time, when I'm in, the, I'm in the Texas Golden Gloves, and during that time, one of my trainers uh, introduced me to a manager in Dallas. And he met me and he said, nice to meet you. He really didn't talk much. He just said, I'm gonna watch you fight. And I made it to the finals. Um, and he saw me fight. And then not too long after that, he contacted me. And the funny thing he said, when he was, he was at my house with my parents, and we sat down, Lester Bedford's his name, from Dallas. And he sat down with me and he said, James, you may never win a world title. You may never become a champion at anything, but if you keep your name clean, and you have you know good work ethics and all that. Maybe someone will hire you if this doesn't work. I'm a good kid, anyways. I was good, you know. Yeah. And I, I said, well, that's easy. Just do the right things. Mm -hmm. And 17 years later, I retired. And you know, I I was lucky enough to 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 bend where I've been and fight where I fought and fight the fires that I fought, win the titles that I won. I, and I always tell people, man, they always tell me, you're so lucky, you're so lucky. I say, you're right. The harder I work, the luckier I get. Right. And that's all, that's been my motto forever. The right. harder I work, the luckier I get. Yeah. I, f I feel very, there's many times in my life now because it's such a, such a drastic difference from where I, where I was for mm -hmm. so long. Mm -hmm. Like, the best way I can exclaim, ex explain it is like, I just keep doing me. Whatever I do, I was telling you before we started the mm -hmm. podcast, everything I do is with a chip on my shoulder because, yeah. like, I want to prove to people my past is not what defines me. Like, that's exactly. not who yeah. I was. Uh -huh. um, and so now it's, like, a point to prove. And I just keep trying to help people, keep putting good energy in the world, and, and the blessings the blessings keep coming. And so yeah. I have no other reason to not yeah. continue down the same path. Yeah, I'm just trying. For me, I was just trying to be the best, per best person I could be, the best fighter I could be. Now, you know, ever since I've been married, I've been trying to be the best husband, the best dad. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to be the best I can be with, with anyone, with everyone. My clients come in in the gym and I'm, I give them 100% because that's the best I can give them is my best. And they feel happy about it. And they're, no one leaves here uh, unhappy. Everyone right. leaves here happy because um, of the workouts that they get. Mm -hmm. And boxing is a different animal. It's a different animal for people. It, it's life. I said it's life. You're going to get hit. You're going to get knocked down. You're going to have a bad day. You're going to have great days. But it's not always the same. Something's yeah. going to happen. You're going to get hit in this life. And then in real life, you get hit, you get knocked down, dust yourself off. Let's go again. Come on, next round. Let's go. Right. And that's how even, even when I lost in my fights, um, I always felt, okay, I'm better than this. I can't wait for the next one because I'm going to win. I'm going to prove myself. Right. It's all about proving myself, proving to myself that I'm better. Yeah, I agree. That's right. It's, 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 I feel like yeah, I, I, can be, I can be better than this. I didn't mm -hmm. give 100. I should have given 100%. Something happened. It wasn't my time. Sometimes you just have bad days. Right. Sometimes we just have bad days, but they don't last long. Right. That, yeah, it's, there's different kinds of people, you know, and 
it seems like when those when those things kind of like you're talking about when when those happen to me for a lot of people like negative negative feedback or you know bad reviews or whatever it is can crumble a lot of people Mm -hmm. like for me that i feed off i feed off the negative you know what i mean like that's like i'm the one i'll i'll prove to you i'm going to show you i'm competitive and all that and so like that's once you find, you know, as a fighter, or even just in life, once somebody finds what fuels them, you know, for one person, you might have one coach that is, you know, more of authoritarian and is screaming at you all the time and you might crumble under that, but then you might have a coach that's uplifting and positive and doing that for you. I didn't do good with that. I needed somebody talking shit to me and like keeping, <laughs> yeah. keeping me going. Yeah, but that, that, that voice in your head said, I'll show you. Yeah, right. I'll show you. And I, I think I was that way too, is that I've learned through my, teachings of boxing and mental toughness and and uh, positive thinking that I've learned that um, for every negative you overcome it with 10 positive thoughts mm-hmm. so like every that. time I'm in a, it, it, it was happening every single fight people thought okay this guy's a fighter he's gonna be every single fight that I had a negative thought came into my mind what if right what if he hits me and I get not what if he does this what if I lose this fight what if it's not my night what if it's just a bad day for me. What if this guy has a lot of power that I can't keep? That all those thoughts for weeks and weeks and weeks. For every fight, it happens. At least to me, it does. Mike Tyson would say, walking into the ring, he was scared as hell walking right. into the ring. He was like, "What if this happens? Oh, I, this guy's strong. This guy's big. He's tough." And then he gets in the ring. He says, "Come on, let's go." That's yeah. what happens once you step in the ring. You're in fight mode, and, it's go and time. you're in reaction. It's go time. Give me. And give, that, that's what happens. Response. So if Mike Tyson was scared. Before his fights, yeah. Little me, I'm gonna be scared too. Right. And and but it's just normal. It's a normal instinct. It's it's a it's a fighting instinct for me. Right. And you know, and the training that I did and the positive thinking that I always did to myself, you know, thinking to myself, I'm not gonna have a bad day because I've done eight miles of running every single day. I've trained this many, I did three hundred sparring rounds, I did all that. I'm gonna be good. Right. And so I always, I've, I've learned that for every negative thought, you have to come in with, over, you have to overcome that with 10 positive thoughts. Because that negative thought is so strong. Yeah. It gets, you know, eat at you. But I always had to overcome it with 10 positive. No, I've done this. I've died at the right way. I've, I've been training for 10 weeks. I've eaten everything I'm supposed to eat. I run every time, every mm-hmm. morning. You overcome it with that. Trust, and, trust the process. Yes, trust the process right. and, and work hard. Yeah. Like I said. The harder I work, the luckier I get. Right. What What is it like, you know, for, let's say for, for some of your bigger fights? I mean, you, you fought Oscar De La Hoya, Arturo Gatti, Mickey Ward. You, you, had, you had quite a few fights. What is it like from, I mean, there's TV cameras on you. You're in the dressing room. Like, what is going through your head from the dressing room, walk out to stepping into the ring? Like, I'm sure it's a mil- it's got to be a million miles an hour thoughts. Oh, or? yeah, it, it is. But, I mean, once you get to that, at the beginning it was. At the beginning, one of my big fights was on NBC TV. Uh-huh. And I was like, one, I was like, whoa, my God. There's a lot of people watching this right. fight. And, are you, and I hope are you aware of that? People are oh, watching yeah, it on yeah, TV? Yeah, you're on NBC. It's, it's national TV. So I was like, oh, my God, this would be a huge fight for me. And you just know, and you build it up, build it up, and then the what ifs come in. Yeah. And you go, okay, then you overcome it with positive thoughts. And, but it's just nerve wracking. But then after a while, for me, I always thought, I just have a different job. It's just work. Right. It's just work for me. I'm gonna be, I'm a hard worker, but this is just work. It just, it just puts me in front of a camera. 
But I'm not working. I'm not any better than the news guy out there. I'm not any better than the guy picking up the trash. I'm not any better than the maintenance guy sweeping. I just have a different job. Yeah. Right. Very well said. So for like the the Floyd Mayweather's and the Conor McGregor's of the world, yeah, like they're yeah. you know they never let you see that other side of the scared side. Mm-hmm. Do you think people like oh, that? Yeah. Do you think they oh, have it? hundred uh, percent. Everyone has it. Floyd, Maywe- it, Floyd Mayweather it, walking out to the ring never lost. Oh, he 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 has that fear of losing too. Wow. Yeah, he had more of that because that's all he talked about. Yeah, was not you're right. You're so right. he has to train. Think about Floyd Mayweather. He trains harder than any other fighter in the world. Right. I've, I've, I've seen his he, stuff he, where he's waking up in the middle of the night yeah, going two, for Yeah, 2 in the morning, he calls his guys, let's go run. We're on it. And they're, oh, my God. Now they know why he's so good because he works that much at it. Like I said, the harder you work, right? Right. And Conor McGregor, but all that, too, people love to see that. Yeah, the bravado. Talk, yeah, the bravado. They love that. Um, but we all have it. I, have, I could put on like that, too. Right. That's not my character. Right. I don't need to do that. Right. That's good yeah. though, because you're never having to act. You can always be authentic, always be yourself. I am, I am, you know, I'm the same. The way you see me now is the way I'm at home, the way I'm at business, the way I'm at, you know, playing with my kids, basketball. I'm the same way. I'm competitive. I, I, uh, I, I'm, a, I'm a winner. Right. Love that. Even if I don't win, I'm a winner. Right. Wait, wait till the next one. Yeah. You beat well, me in basketball when we play basketball here. Yeah. Guys, beat me. I say, okay, let's play again. We're gonna, we're gonna be here playing until you I do. I don't care how long it is. I like it. We can get a game of one on one after. <laughs> I'm um, fast, bro. I'm are fast. You? Yeah. I'm not I'm not fast anymore. <laughs> I'm not fast. What uh what so when you're when you're going into fight camp, how long does fight camp last and like what do, I'm I'm sure it changes everything you're doing, but what does a typical day in fight camp look like? Well, so the the trick is and what happens is a lot of fighters come into fight camp to get in shape and to for the fight. And fight camps last seven six to eight weeks, mm-hmm. right? Because uh, you go away somewhere and you're secluded. Most guys, some guys keep it in San Antonio. Well, I mean, some, most guys keep it in their city, but some guys go out of the city or stay in the city, but keep it enclosed or just to, just for, to keep for distractions the out. Yeah, right? exactly. Keep distractions out. So I was at a point where I was always going to Florida, going to Atlantic City for eight weeks, mm-hmm. sparring and training. But the trick is to get in shape before you get to fight camp. And when you're in fight camp, you're in camp. Right. A lot of guys go out of shape to fight camp and get in shape while in fight camp, right. but they're losing all that training because they're trying to get ready for the, for the fight. I mean, they try to get ready for their weight. They're yeah. out of shape. But um, so I, it was, you know, it was eight weeks to six weeks and you get in camp in shape, ready to go. And then you start training hard. If you stay ready, you don't got to get ready. Exactly. Right? You stay ready. You don't have to get ready. But you know, a lot of it's about weight for me. I'm a small guy. But I have a lot of mass. Mm-hmm. I I lost twenty pounds or twenty five pounds for every fight in my career. Really? Every fight. Now you had six to eight weeks to do it in. Okay. Because fights come up. Hey, you ready for fighting too much? Oh shit! I'm twenty pounds off. Let's get ready. And so I had a, I had a schedule of what to eat, how I ate, how many ta- how many ca- it was a twelve hundred calories a day diet. Right. Working out three times a day just to get my weight down. So and sometimes, hey, when I fought Shane Mosley, who is one of the top fighters in the world, yeah. um, pound for pound, I had 21 days to get ready for him, and I had to drop 17 pounds in 21 days. Was that your hardest fight camp? <laughs> yeah, because all I did was try to get my weight down. I right. was running running twice a day, working out boxing once. It's, it's just, it was the worst thing in the world. Mm. It was the closest thing to death that I've ever been to. Really? Yeah, it was almost Were like... Were you like, uh, 
try, trying to drop water too, like yeah, sauna every, suit, no, everything. I was, I, I was, I was, I'm a small guy. I had to drop 25 pounds and well, 20 pounds in three weeks, and so I was just about dead. Get into the scale, going into the scale, uh, I was dying. My wife, after the weigh-in, I went back to my room. I think we found in Atlantic City. I went back to my room and I'm laying down. My wife's crying and putting ice uh, ice bags on me, and I'm just like, I can't do this. And she goes, don't do it, don't fight, don't fight. I said, I've made weight already. <laughs> I said, give me something to eat. So I started eating. And then I, and then one of the biggest compliments he ever, or anyone ever gave me part is um, a few months ago, he put on, on Facebook that I get one of the toughest fights at 135. He stopped me in nine rounds. Mm-hmm. But he said, I get one of the toughest fights at 135. And I'm like, oh my God. Really? And I tell him, if you only knew what I had to go through. And he goes, oh, I'll win you. They, you know, but it's just, you, you, I won, kind of, right, in myself, right. in my soul, even though I lost the fight. And I was so proud of myself. Yeah. Hell yeah. It's, it's good. Short, short notice fight against Shane yeah, Mosley, dropped yeah, that weight. Yeah, that's the fight. That I had. So I always tell people I had two fights. I had to fight the weight, mm-hmm. and then I had to fight the, the, the one of the greatest fighters of all time. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. What, I'm sure. So know. that's when I said, even when I win, even when I lose, I right. still win. Right. For me, that was a win, you know. Uh, Kind of an attaboy thing, like, yeah. well, be proud of yourself because not everyone knows what you go through. Right. People that, just see the end result and what's happening, but they don't go. They don't know the journey. Yeah. Now we tell people the journey is the best part. It's the journey is the most amazing part of everything. Absolutely. Not the finished product. Right. I, I believe that too. I, people have asked me before what what I would go back and change about my past so that none of it happened, and and I you know I've said this probably twenty times on the podcast, but I know going. Th- I needed to go through all that stuff to be who I am today, and I wouldn't change that for anything. And so I would yeah. do it all over yeah. again. Sorry yeah. for anybody I heard along the way, but I needed yeah. I needed yeah. that to get here. Yeah. Well, those are the accident parts that happened that didn't mean to happen. Yeah. But you still become who you are because of what happened. Right. And your, your outlook, it's, you know, there's a lo- lot of people that you lose a fight and they're not able to pull any positive out of that. If you could still find positive in that negative, yeah. like, there's nothing worse than seeing, you know, a grandparent or an older person, you know, start start to get old and they're just mad and bitter and stuff like that. But if you live your life the way you're living it right now mm-hmm. and you get to that point in the end and everything's been positive, it's it's yeah. two different, completely yeah. different people you're looking at. Yeah, and, and I, I think that uh, I, I'm just a, and I have a, I think I'm the richest man in the world. Right. I got it. I got it. Ah. Yeah. I love it. What do you, I'm sure boxing's taught you many, many, many lessons, but what would you say is the most important boxing, or most important lesson you've been able to take from the, the art of boxing? As a man, I, as, I, my dad was amazing, but um, I think one of the best things my dad ever said was about being tough. He said, I told this to all my clients, I got, I got, business, I got clients in here that are millionaires, basketball players, uh, lawyers, doctors, Kind of everybody in here, right? Mm-hmm. My my, it's mainly you know businessmen and women. I got stay-at-home moms, stay-at-home dads. I got a little bit of everything, but when my dad and I tell these guys that and they're like, look at me, kind of, just I have so many of them. But one of the best ones I, I like because everyone wants to be tough, and I always tell them there's a fine line between being tough and stupid. Mm-hmm. Tough guys want to get hit, they want to go fight, they want that's dumb, you know, it's it's stupid, right? Even yeah. fighters, tough fighters, are dumb fighters because they're gonna get beat up so bad. And they're not gonna have much afterwards. Right. Maybe it's luck. Maybe I got lucky, but I didn't want to consider. I didn't want to be a tough fighter. I want to be a smart fighter. Right. And 
My dad always used to tell me that, don't be a tough guy. They don't, they, they come out last. Right. Come, even, even if you come on top, you're gonna come out last. Well, that, I mean, you can see that on firsthand with Floyd Mayweather, how he went from pretty boy Floyd, yes. and then all of a sudden he got smart and switched that up. And I mean, it's the, it's the art of boxing. Yeah, hit, it's, hit it's, don't it's, get hit. That's the key. And even I, I tell guys that are fighters or they're, they're trying to slug it out. I said, who's the richest, who's the highest paid athlete in the world? They say, Floyd Mayweather. I said, okay, what does he do? Is he a slugger or a boxer? He's a boxer. And why are you trying to slug? Right. Do the things that people have done before that are successful. E ego. Yeah, they, they, I want to be a tough guy. Mm -hmm. Damn. It's a dumb guy, right? right? I tried to be tough. I wanted to be, I wanted to be smart. So I don't know if people can see behind me, there's a, there's a picture of your son on the wall behind mm -hmm. us and that's you training him? Yes. Uh -huh. So so what you, I don't, know, I don't know if we said it on the podcast or we said it before, but, or no, we said it on the podcast, your, your dad didn't want you fighting. My dad didn't want us fighting at all, my brother or, my, or myself. And so what do you, so what do and you? He was a fighter, so my dad was a fighter. He went through all this, the stuff that happens in yeah. boxing, you know, you don't fight or you get, they're stealing your money or you're not getting paid where you should get paid. And something, I think my dad was just fighting just to make some extra money. Yeah. Um, uh, but he was the first San Antonian to ever make it to the National Golden Gloves Finals. Really? The first San Antonio in 1958 or 59. Right. The first guy. So that was pretty big back then. And he was well known. He had a good record as a pro. But back then, he was just fighting to make money. He wasn't fighting to be the best. Right. They didn't have the right trainers. They didn't have the right manager. They put him in a fight. That type of stuff. So when I went, well, well, when it came out for me to start fighting, he didn't want me fighting because he didn't want us to go to that road. My mom's a nurse. My mom's been a nurse since she was 15 years old. Mm -hmm. She's 81 years old and she still works. Oh, really? As a nurse, she's an ultrasound tech, and she's like the what we look at and say, that's what I want, I want to work. I have to keep up with my mom. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I got to work as hard as she does. And my dad, too, they're both great workers, hard workers, and uh, just trying to keep up with them. Right. And so, anyways, my dad didn't want that happening because, but when I went to Olympic trials and I, after that, I, oh, I'm sorry. Right before I started training as a fighter, my dad said, no, I don't want you fighting. It's not right. It's too tough or whatever. I said, I just want to do it to get in shape. Yeah. So when he's, and I bought a heavy bag on my own because my dad didn't want to train me. Mm -hmm. So I bought a heavy bag, put it in the garage. I started hitting the heavy bag on my own just to get in shape. My dad would come out and look at me and says, maybe you want to keep your hand up a little bit and then walk back in. <laughs> right. And I come back out. And the next day he come out, maybe you would do this and then walk back in. So he saw something, but didn't want to tell me that yeah, you're getting pretty good. Right. He saw something in me. And then maybe about a month or two months later, he came out and said, you know, if you're going to do this, let's do it the right way. I think you have something. I said, okay, let's go. And we went to the gym. And he was my trainer for 20-something years. Let's go. Yeah. So what do you say then when your son comes to you and tells you he wants to get in a fight? Same thing. I said, James, I worked so hard. I fought all these fights, so you never had to fight. And, you know, sometimes, like you said, we... We have to fight for ourselves. Mm -hmm. We want to fight. We want to feel that. We want to go through it. And, and he was very good at it. He was probably better than I was, just technique-wise and everything else. That smart kid. Um, it was just after he, I told him, I'll train you, but you got to graduate from college first. He graduated from college, and I had to train him. And But he had so many fights. So training all this time, imagine going through a fight camp for eight weeks, getting ready for a fight, and then you get to the weigh-in and the guy doesn't show up or 
stuff happened or yeah. whatever it was. He just got fed up with it. He goes, oh, this ain't no way of doing that. Yeah, so, I, don't, yeah. I don't blame him. Yeah, he was 3-0 and as a pro, but had like five fights fought through. And right. you still train for all those fights, you know. You got paid, but it's not the same. You want to fight. Why do you think, and I'm, I'm not getting you to say anything bad about boxing or anything like that, but it, why do you think, is it because there's WBC and, like, all these different things that boxing is the way it is as opposed to just coming together as, like, one sport and yeah, one federation? Or, or, you know, that's true. It, it, it should be like one sport, like the NFL, NBA. Yeah. It should be. And hopefully one day it will be, but I doubt it because there's too many hands in the pot. Um, it's never going to happen. But it's almost like like MMA. Mm. Who's the king? UFC. Yeah. All the other guys are over here, right? Bellator and all these other guys are over here. But they, all wanna, they can't all be UFC. But UFC is monopolizing the MMA. Right. And they're not being fair to all the fighters. They're not paying the fighters. That's why a lot of these guys are leaving to go box to mm. make all this money and then yeah. go back, whatever it is. But there are, all the sports have that thing because they're not regulated by one. Except uh, I'm saying MMA and boxing don't have that one regulation by one entity. Right. And that's what it hurts. Yeah, it's, it's crazy to see these, you know, these M- MMA guys go over and every single time they fight, you know, in a, there's one of these boxing matches, mm-hmm. The headline is always the highest payday they've yeah, ever had. that's the biggest payday they've ever made. And that's unfair, but that's UFC mm-hmm. taking control and Dana White making the money. Yeah. And he pays his fighter. You know, I mean, they make good money, but not right. compared to a fighter. Right. That's why they go to boxing and they come back. Boxers, it just, it needs to be regulated by one entity. I feel like if they did, then everybody wouldn't be so fixated on these celebrity boxing matches yeah, that have right. never been good. Yeah, like the Jake Paul fights. They've never, that. there's never been a good, I've never wanted to watch replays from it or anything yeah, like that. Yeah. I want to see professionals, yeah. professionals do it. But so how do you feel about the, the celebrity guys doing this? And I, I, you know, like Jake Paul, I don't blame him. If, if you're going to do something and people are going to pay a lot of, yeah, you make sure. millions, I don't blame you. Yeah. But don't call it a sport. Don't call it you're a great boxer. Don't call it that until you fight a great fighter. Right. Or fight a decent fighter. He hasn't fought a decent fighter yet. But don't call yourself a great fighter or a great champion when you haven't even fought a fighter yet. Right. Just call it what it is. It's a you know celebrity-type boxing, whatever, but it's not a real fight. Yeah. That's, all. That's the only thing I have against it. And, or people, don't call it, I'm going to go watch Jake Paul. He's a great fighter. Don't say that. You know? Right. It is what it is. Right. But I don't blame the fight. I don't blame the Jake Yeah, no, Paul. no, no. Get your money. He's making his money. Yeah, get your money for He's sure. He's making his money, yeah. I blame the people that are buying them. That's the that's what it is, all the all the casual fans. Yeah. They'll come out for that, and then all of a sudden they're boxing experts or something <laughs> like that. Like, if I go to watch a UFC fight, Conor McGregor brings out all the casual fans. Yeah. And then they're oh, sitting yeah. there chirping in my ear, and, like, they see him on the ground or whatever like that, and they're like, oh, make him stand up. I was like, you don't understand what you're watching. Like, yeah. It's yeah. not, this isn't boxing. It's not yeah. just a slugfest like that. Well, I have a funny story, and my wife might get mad at me for this, but so <laughs> the other day, the Chiefs were going to, something about the Chiefs were playing, or they were going to play, and what's the defensive end for the Chiefs? Uh, oh, uh, Chris Jones? No, that's Dayton. Uh, oh, Travis Kelsey. Travis Kelsey, yeah. right? And then and Patrick Mahomes, my wife, came on. She's, they saw them on TV. She was, oh, uh, Taylor Swift's gonna make these guys famous. I'm like, oh my god, there's, that's the thing. You yeah. Know? So I don't know if you've seen, but there's there's videos all over social media right now of wives and daughters going and telling their dads and husbands and stuff like that, like that they're gonna make Travis Kelsey famous. And then you yeah. see these guys go, <laughs> that's, oh that's, my that's, goodness. That's exactly what, maybe my wife did that on purpose, but Maybe. she said that, and I was like, what? 
I said, they won Super Bowls already without Taylor Swift. Right. Because, yeah, but she didn't make him famous. Right. I'm like, I think she did that. Maybe she did that on purpose. She probably saw he's, that. He's, he's going to be a Hall of Famer. <laughs> yeah. He's the best the tight end yeah, in the yeah, game. Yeah. That's that's hilarious. She yeah, did that. Taylor Swift's making him big, yeah. Damn. <laughs> what, um, who were your, you know, as you, I'm growing up a fan of boxing, but, like, who were your inspirations in boxing? Like, who, who were the people that you looked to or, like, tried to model your game after or? Did you have anybody that you really... I think, you know, early on, um, when I first... Obviously, I started boxing because of my dad, you know. Yeah. Well, my dad has always been my trainer, my the guy I, wanted, I looked up to. The, mm-hmm. I listened to everything he said. He knew exactly what to do. When I when I would question him, like, come on, dad, that, whatever, it would always turn out I was wrong. Yeah. He was right because he knew he had experience. And he was just a good, great... He was a, My dad was a good trainer. Not just me, but just the other people that he would train and help out. Mm-hmm. They all loved my dad. But besides my dad, you know, I always looked at Marvin Hagler when he was fighting in the 80s. And mm-hmm. that's one of the reasons I shaved my head, too. Oh, really? Because I love that look that Marvin Hagler had. Mm-hmm. Um, but he was one. Uh, Boom Boom Mancini. Youngstown, uh, Ohio. Yep. Let's go. Was, I, I haven't told him that. And you're one of my inspirations. He's, oh, man, that's great. Too. Just I've met so many of these guys that uh, Sugar Ray Leonard, yeah, Mar- oh, Duran, all these, and, you know. Watch growing up and watching these guys fight because we're always boxing fans. I didn't box, but we're a boxing fans. So my dad boxed, right? And so we watched all these guys, Ali. And the thing is, I got to meet all these guys that were my heroes when I was young and hang out with them. Hung out with Ali for an hour in his hotel room, really, he and his wife. And I'm like, how this is after I retired. And I'm like, how much better can this get? Yeah. I met Ali and hung out with him. I have pictures of him looking at me eating grapes and looking at me while I'm talking. And him and his wife were just sitting there. It's, it, was, it changed my life again. This is after I retired. I retired in 2005. Oh, really? And I met Ali in 2005 in, at their hotel room. And and I was like, oh, my God, I got to be a better person. <laughs> I, he just, I just got to be a better person. And right. I was, you know, I'm a good person, right? And I, I just got to do more in the world. I got to do more in the world because See, I'm that, not doing enough. That's true inspiration right there. Yeah. When he's just, pulling just the best out of you. So when you meet Ali, and it's, it's written in books and stuff, he makes you feel like if you're the star. Oh, really? I don't know how he does it, but when you're with him, he makes you feel like if you're the star because he's like this, he's talking to you, he's doing all this stuff, and he's just looking at you and listening to everything you say. And he starts shadow boxing with me. He, I have a picture where he puts his hand on, on his, my, my hand on his chin, and I'm like, man, I shouldn't be doing this. This is Ali. Right. And he was no. He's like, I was like, oh my, it's like. I, could, I left there in shock. So being a being a champion yourself, who would you say were, were you like Ali? I would imagine, but like who else were you like starstruck to meet? Marvin Hagler, really? Sugar Ray Leonard, Thomas Hearns, Roberto Duran, all those guys. Uh, uh, yeah. So we hang out, you know, when we have events or we at the at the Hall of Fame in New York or wherever mm-hmm. we're at, we all hang out as a fraternity. We're a fraternity. We're brothers and. But to be around these guys, Evander Holyfield uh, sitting across from Riddick Bowl, and they're telling, I should have beat you here. I should, Man, I hit you so hard, your papa felt it. And they're just going back and when I'm right in the middle listening to everything. I'm like, oh, man, these guys are crazy. But that's just the way it is, the fraternity. We yeah. just, we, we still pick at each other, and we still, uh, Azuma Nelson, who I fought four times, mm-hmm. we still hang out. Whenever we see each other, we hang out, we talk, we sit down, our parents or our kids talk to each other, and it's great. The, the one fight, I, I watched one of the fights you had with him, and it was the least I've ever seen 
a referee have to interject into a fight. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't remember one time where he came and break, broke you guys yeah, apart. Yeah. Was it just your guys' styles that matched up it so perfect? Styles, or the styles, yeah. We fought 42 rounds, four fights, 42 rounds, and every one of those rounds, every one of those minutes was painful really? and hard. And just you thinking about movements, because think about it, we fought that many times, we know each other well. And uh, to try to, it's like playing chess with someone. What moves are they gonna make? You play this, you play this guy all the time, what moves can you do now that he won't know about? And it's just so much strategy going on that you're, you're like just overthinking everything. Right. And we became like best of friends. Really? We just that we admire each other. We, we both, we, and matter of fact, we fought four times. The first fight was a draw. The second fight I beat him. The third time he stopped me. And then the fourth time I beat him. And so it's like we're over for the his, for boxing. We're going to go down as the, the big fights that went down. And right. We were, Three, one, one, and one into the fourth fight. 42 rounds. 42 That's rounds. That's wild. Is that yeah. the most? Uh, no, I'm sure there's other guys that fought more than that, but I don't know. Maybe not. Four fights is a lot. Yeah, I don't even know. I mean, they usually stop at three, but you guys had that draw in there, yeah. so they had yeah. to. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, what was your favorite place you ever fought? Uh, I fought Costa Zoo. Well, Mass well, here's the story. So when was Australia when I fought in uh, Melbourne, Australia? Okay. And I fought Costa Zoo. A uh, tough fight. Of, you know, we all fight injured, so we can't. But it's just a tough fight. Mm -hmm. um, but the other one was in Madison Square Garden when I fought uh, Oscar De La Hoya. The fight, you know, Oscar was a beast, and he was, mm -hmm. you know, I went up in a way to fight him. Um, he was just no one else wanted to fight. Him. I said, I'll fight him. I don't care. I want to fight him because that's how I'm gonna test myself. That's how I'm gonna test my ability. I don't. I could beat anybody. I could beat most people, but I want to challenge myself. I want to be the best. And we always say, I want to be there. I'm going to dare to be great. I don't want to just coast and fight these. I want to fight the, the toughest guys out there. So anyways, I fought Oscar in Master Square Garden. But um, when I get into the ring at Master Square Garden, I get into the ring and I'm looking around and I see all these movie stars across. And I'm like, wow, look at all these stars. Magic, I, said, Mad I saw Magic Johnson there. Yeah, there yeah, a bunch yeah of people. exactly. And I'm like... The thing that came to my head is if these people only knew what it took for me to get here. Mm -hmm. I've only been fighting for six years. Mm -hmm. Six years. I was having fight. Oscar started fighting when he was six years old. Right. And that to me it was that, man, you worked so hard to get here. And and you've worked your way up to this point. And it was a thing like, you did well. And I said, come on, let's go fight. And you flesh it out. You think about it. You let it go and you go and fight. Right. And Oscar was just, you know, obviously too big, too strong, too everything. Just a great fighter. Yeah. Um, too much power. But for me, that after that fight was sort of like, man, you, you're on your way. Right. You, you know, I lost, but I was like, okay, I'm going to keep going. No, but you fought Oscar De La Hoya. Yeah. 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 And the thing is, you know, people don't understand how strong he was. Yeah. He knocked guys out at 130, 135, 140, 147, 154, 160. Can you imagine how strong he was at 135? Yeah. Yeah, I never thought yeah. about it like that. Yeah. I didn't realize he was in that many weight classes. Yeah. yeah. I wish I wish other organizations like the UFC would do more weight classes mm -hmm. and like that. Yeah, there's not enough. Yeah. So you guys don't have to cut so much weight. Yeah. Uh, would you say it was Oscar the best fighter you ever fought? He Yes. Yeah? Yes. But I, I, fought, I fought so many good fighters, too. I fought like... Yeah, no slight, on, no slight on anybody, yeah, but whoever but you thought. I think he was the strongest and... Obviously, he's strong and long-reaching power, a lot of power. But Shane Mosley was amazing, yeah, too, bet. man. He was speed. Shane Mosley beat Oscar twice. Mm. I mean, he beat him twice. 
I believe it was twice. I think, right. from, but I think it was twice. Um, but that's how good Shane Mosley was as well. Right. But Oscar just had a lot of power. I have, a, I have a question I've been waiting to ask you. And so my stepfather and I have this endless debate we've had for years. Mm-hmm. And so the, the movie Rocky, mm-hmm. right? That was originally based on a, a real boxer, was it not? Yes. Do you know? Do you remember his name? I forget it. Uh, I, I could. I, you guys know what I'm talking about? No. You know what I'm talking about? But it's it's based on the true yeah. boxer. Yeah. It was the exact story, and he got to. He was a big white guy. Yes, yeah, so he, he had, had to pay. He, he had to pay him money. He paid this guy money I, to fight Ali. Yes. Uh, I could see the guy's face, but I can't think of his name right now. Right. Yeah, but that's based on uh, that fighter. Right. Matter of fact, uh, Sir Stallone paid that, had to pay that few million. Right, I saw that. Yeah. I, I read all that. My stepdad yeah. is trying to tell me that's not true. I was like, I'm telling no, you, it was true. a real, yeah. real it's guy. True. Yeah. yeah. Has, has there ever been a movie that you think, or what, what do you feel is the best movie that they've ever done about boxing? Boxing, uh, The Raging Bull. Raging Bull is your favorite? Yeah. That's the best boxing movie ever. Is it? Yeah. Ever. I li- and I like, the first Rocky was great. Right. Maybe the first two. But nothing, the Raging Bull was just so realistic that it was scary. Yeah, you can't go wrong with the that's, that's a man, but you think about what he went, I mean, what he went through, it just, I think it was a guy that was fighting because of the pain he had inside and was fighting. And it's so, so many things that happened in real life. And it just, the, the fight scenes were perfect. And it wasn't fake. It didn't look, it didn't look fake. Yeah. It's just, Probably the best. That's probably the best movie. Ever. I, I haven't watched it in a long time. I need yeah, to go. I need great. to go back and watch it. It's a great movie. My my wife had never seen it. And Rock. Jake LaMotta, who's yeah. based on right, the Raging Bull. Yeah. Jake LaMotta. Right. I got to hang out and meet him in, in New York, and this is he was already in his 80s, and where the Hall of Fame's at, he owned the restaurant right now, mm-hmm. and he would always be there. Just, right. I have pictures of him, and he's about my height. And like, wow, this guy was a beast. Damn. This guy was a beast. What uh, Chuck Wepner. That's what it was. Chuck, Chuck Wepner. Wepner. Yep. You're right. Good call. Chuck Wepner. So when my stepdad watches this episode, you heard it from an actual champion and pro <laughs> yeah. tell you that it's true. you were wrong. Uh, with Do you say through your boxing journey, did you ever like face some adversity at some point where it was kind of like a, a rock bottom moment for you? Yeah, for years, for years. The first six years, the first five years, six years of my career, there were so many times that my wife was working, uh, I was training, and she was keeping us afloat with her paycheck, uh, keeping us afloat. She had a pretty good job. And I was like, I would tell my manager, I can't fight anymore. I'm done. I got to get a job. I got to help my wife out. Mm. He goes, oh, here's a $1,000, you know, just hang on, hang on. Here's a thousand dollars. Hang on. We'll make it up. Some, but when I fought, I had to give him that thousand yeah. dollars back. And then I'm broke again. In the next mm-hmm. three weeks, I'm broke again because I'm making what a thousand, two thousand, three thousand at the time, which just went like that because yeah. I had bills piled up. Yeah. Right? We had a baby. The whole bit. And I was like, the first five years, I was like, I can't do this. Mm-hmm. I would tell him, Lester, I can't fight. I, I want it, but uh, there's not enough fights going around. I, I need to. Baby needs food. We need to pay rent. Yeah. Here's another thousand. Here, come on, stay with me. And then, here's a funny story, too. That was, I was struggling the first four or five years. But I think on the fifth year, um, I had this fight, and it was on NBC. I fought Troy Dorsey. Mm-hmm. 
from Dallas, who's a world champion boxer and a world champion kickboxer at the same time. Really? Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah, great fighter oh. out, of, out of Fort Worth. And um, we had a fight, and it was on NBC TV. Huge, right? It was mm -hmm. like, if I won this fight, I was set. Right. Thinking back then, right? <laughs> so I win the fight. I stop him in the fifth round. Big fight. Like, everybody around the world knew me, right? On NBC, right? And I win the fight. I come back home. My wife's at home. What about at home? I said, you don't have to work anymore if you want to. She goes, really? I said, no. She goes, I want to raise the boys. I want to raise our son. I want to be home. I want to be a stay-at-home mom. And I said, you could do it now. You know how much I got paid? Mm. 25000 ah. <laughs> But back then, it was a lot of money for right. me, right? Back then, it was 1991 or 1992. Yeah. That's a lot of money yeah, for yeah. me. for sure. And shit, I was only making $1,000 or $2,000 or $3,000. The most I probably made back then was 7000 Right. I made 20000 or $25,000. i am rich. I'm rich. Right. <laughs> quit your job. Yeah, we'll quit your job. Guys. She had a good job. Yeah. But until, you know, since then, she's never worked at, in a job. She has the hardest job in the world, which is... Staying at home, taking care of the kids, taking mm -hmm. care of me, taking care of the house. That's the hardest job in the world. Yeah. A lot of women don't want to do that job. They, yeah. get, they go and get a job. Right, for sure. You know, but, and so, it was, that was funny for 25000 Now I go through 25000 a month. <laughs> right. The, so, so that's, your, that's your rock bottom. Did you have a moment? That was my rock bottom through boxing. Right. You know, you know, not making it, not just sacrificing it. My wife sacrificing it and... and yeah, there was times when I'm at home and we're going out with my brother and my sister. We're going to go out and have dinner. I'm telling you, trying to find change and daughters here and there just mm -hmm. to go and have dinner. Yeah. We went through that. Let's get some. Let's, oh, here's 10 bucks. Here's five bucks. Uh, let's go, oh, here's a couple of dollars. And we're going to have dinner somewhere. Mm -hmm. We went through that for a few years. Right. But man, those are the best times. Yeah. The journey was great. Right. There's a, I've said it numerous times, but uh, I think Mike Tyson quoted it, and he said, "Without, uh, oh, without the, do what did I say? I forgot it. Oh no." Without the um, struggle or something, there could be no. Without test, there is no testimony. Yeah. Without, yeah, the, without test. the test. Yeah. You know what I mean, and so like, that's why now today, like I, you know, it's I, I said earlier, it's, it's blessings. Like I'm so appreciative of the people that have come into my life yeah. and. And I'm so appreciative of, of every good thing that happens to me because for so long, the way I lived my life, there was there was no good in it. And I put bad energy out in the world and I got it right back. Mm -hmm. um, so that, that was your rock bottom moment through, 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 through my career, through boxing. Th those, those years of barely making it and struggling and, and trying to find change here and there just to go and have friends, go and have a dinner with friends or, mm. or family. But I was, I mean, struggles through my job in boxing but still having great times yeah like i said the the, the hardest times are sometimes the best times because you find out about you so you find out what you have you find out who's gonna be your partner yeah do you have a, a rock bottom moment in life that you would you'd be willing to talk about um because i'm sure a lot of people see oh professional boxer fighter must have made a ton of money he doesn't go through anything what's his rock bottom yeah. and they have they have no well, idea we all have we all have rock bottoms i have had rock bottoms you know one of my one of my things of it's not my rock bottom because it's turned out to be my best thing that ever happened to me but is when i was 10 years old you know i found out that i was adopted and that for, for that a month or so it was a rock bottom for me but after when i realized that it was the best thing that ever happened to mm -hmm. me 
it turned out to be the best thing in my, in my life. Right. The, the, who I am today, what I'm about today, and the career I've had, the the respect I have around the world, right. or a country or, or a city, is all because of what happened. Because of I was adopted to, I was adopted to family. Right. But because of who? Because of who ended up raising you from yes, that point on? Yes. Because of my parents. Yeah. My parents, and it's no difference. I, one of the toughest things I was thinking about this the other day. One of the toughest things that ever, well, one of the best things that ever happened to me is that. You know, my brother, my sister, and I, we fight all the time. Mm-hmm. Like regular brother and sisters fight all the time, right? right? But they've never said anything like, well, you're adopted, you're this. They've never said that. And to me, it's like, that's the, the icing on the cake. Yeah, right. I got great, bro- I got great, great brother and sister. I that's, mean, to me, that's, I think about that all the time. Yeah, that's family. I have, I have two brothers, I don't know, I have two brothers and two sisters that are half and anybody we've never said that to one yeah, another we've never that, even brought it up yeah. other people say that and yeah. no that's my brother right yeah there. that's I'm my just, that's I, my that's, sister that's, i know different i know i don't know any difference mm-hmm. that's my brother my sister we yeah. have blood we have the same blood i don't care what anyone says we yeah, do for but sure that's how i think and that's to me that's the the, the, the like you said the rock bottom mm-hmm. of my life and the best thing in my life at the same time right Right. Yeah. My my stepdad, he came into my life. You know, my dad left when I was two and my, my stepdad came in probably, I think, when I was eight or 10 years old. And, you know, the the thankless job of a step parent dealing with somebody else's kid. And I, and I put him through absolute hell. <laughs> yeah. But every every good part of me today is because of that man. Like, you know what I mean? He never gave up on you. No, no. Never, never turned his back on me. Yeah. He was there. He treated me like I was his own. You, you, you know, just to say, to, and I think this has happened to me too, is you may have turned your back on him, but he didn't turn your back on you. Right. Meaning you, that you're not this, you're not that, you're not my brood, whatever. But he, he stayed true. Yeah, for sure. That's tough. Yeah, blessing. He's a, yeah. he's an angel. Um, so what do you have a do you have a redemption moment? Do you have a you know, we we've heard the rock bottom. Do you have that redemption moment either? You just took a look around and you were like, oh, I made it. Or like maybe something that happened where you felt was like, all right, I'm back. I don't know. I, I, um, I think it's, it's uh, I just have a fighter's mentality. I'm going to fight for anything I want. Mm-hmm. I think that's my, it's to when I know that I'm, there's no negative in me. I'm going to do it. I, I don't give up. Right. I don't give up. I don't, I don't give up on family. I don't give up on friends. I don't give up on anyone. I'm going to give you 100%. That's my redemption. I'm, I'm going to, I don't give up. I'm going to keep fighting. I'm a fighter. Yeah. For for good. Forever. For for my family, for my friends, for my business. You got to fight my friends. I'm going to fight for you. Right. So what does life look for you today? You've had, you've had this... You've had this wild, wild ride, professional prize yeah. fighter, and all this stuff. What, what is like looking for you, like right you, now? You know what's funny that is that um, I've been re- I've been retired longer than my career. Have you really? for seventeen years? I've been retired now eighteen or nineteen. Really? And I was like well, two thousand five. So I don't know I'm, the math on that. Two thousand. Doesn't it feel like two thousand five was like just yeah. a couple weeks? Yeah, ago? It's, it went like that. So I started my own business, and then my sons run help me run the business now. We're all partners in this gym. We had three gyms at one time in San Antonio. We closed them all down, made this big one. Now we're thinking of expanding to different cities. Mm-hmm. We're talking about it. We trained the Spurs. We, we, we trained, you know, everyone. 
right. train everyone. We we get everybody. We give someone what the sport gives to us. Gave to us respect, uh, clear minds, great healthy bodies, hard workouts. Right. Uh, give you a little bit of what life's about. A little bit of knock knock. You get just a little punch here and there. It ain't gonna hurt anyone. Yeah. Make you tougher. Right. We get kids who are bullied. Teach them not to be bullied anymore. We get bullies in here to teach them how not to bully anymore because there's always someone out there better and bigger. Right. And it's, it's you know, there's people, are, there's some tattoos out there that say life, life is boxing, boxing is life. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. And and uh, I may get knocked out eight times, but I'm going to get up nine. Right. Definitely. That's what we, or get down, whatever. Okay, I mean, how many times you get knocked down? Just get back up one more time. Right. I'm a, so for, you know, for me, you know, fitness and running, it, it played such an important part of my life. Mm-hmm. When, when I got sober, you know, I, I put so much energy into to the hustle of getting high every day and getting mm-hmm. money and stuff. I still had that energy when I got sober. And so I needed to find somewhere, you know, thank God that I got into, into mm-hmm. running and fitness like I did. But a lot of the people I work with, and especially some of the, the, the younger, younger people, when I, when I talk with their families and I push them to, get into jujitsu, get into, have them get into boxing, have them get into that because, you know, I wish I would have more when I, when I was young. I wish I would have gotten in that, but, you know, and I'm not a father, but you see how people that are, that are trained to fight, like, they're, you know, the majority that I have met, they're the most calm, polite, like, people. They're not yeah. walking around bullies just because yeah. they know how to fight, and, you know, it, it seems like it's because that they're confident in who they are, and they don't need to walk around like that, yeah. and so they're just... They keep it humble. They they don't want to fight. They don't want to do any of that. Yeah. And so, and then the people you get with in the gym and having that having that camaraderie and stuff, I think only positives can I'm can really come that, from it. One one of the the best thing for me I, now. So I always tell people my titles now are people losing 10, 15, 100 pounds, mm-hmm. seventy five pounds. Those are my title wins. Those are my wins now. When I see someone walking around and said, "Man, I lost eighty pounds," I'm like, "Oh my god!" Right. Hard work, boom, high right. five. Everybody's clapped. It's just amazing, but. Um, to see people win in life like that and be good, feel good about themselves, and, yeah. and even kids, like I said, kids who are bullied and come in here and say, "Man, those kids don't bully me anymore." Mm-hmm. It's not the kids didn't change; they changed. But I'm not gonna let you bully me anymore. Right. You're gonna have a fight in your hands now. Right. That or just the attitude or the look. You know, someone looks at you. You ain't gonna bully me anymore. Come on, whatever. I don't like fighting. I always tell people I don't, I don't get paid to fight outside. I get paid to fight in the ring. Right. I don't like fights outside. So yeah. They're not fair anyway. But um, just to have that confidence in yourself. For sure. To protect yourself. I call it protection. You got to protect yourself. Yep. I call it insurance just in case something mm-hmm. happens. So I've been what, I've been a personal trainer for like the the, the past five years. And I, and I work with people in, in drug and alcohol recovery. And so it's trying to help them adopt that new healthy lifestyle mm-hmm. and take all the energy that they yeah. put in a bad, put in a good and you talking about your title wins, you know, it, I have one client, his name's Steven, and he's like my title in a way because I watched him lose 70 pounds. I watch him, you know, the person he walked in and I first met and he was quiet and timid and all oh, that yeah. stuff. And now he's cracking jokes, he's confident. I watched him, you know, he's, he's dating an amazing woman. I see him at, them at the gym all the time. They're building a life together. I watch yeah. him get a career, but he was ready when he came in he never he didn't ever question me he didn't ever talk back or anything i'd show him an exercise i'd take him to a workout he would stay for an extra hour afterwards go over every exercise yeah. i show him practice the form until he got it perfect then he's up doing cardio 
and it's people like that that this is why I do what I do because I know they're getting what I got out of it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I and I see other people that may have more talent or more be more genetically gifted in the gym or something like that and they don't look at it with the same passion as what he did. Mm-hmm. And it's those people I like want to shake. Yeah, I'm like yeah. you're missing all the good shit. You're worried about what you look like in the mirror. You're missing all yeah. the yeah. the life lessons that you can get from yeah. this and the discipline yeah. and structure. I tell you we we have we have so many people in here like that that are successful businessmen. Like the top businessmen in San Antonio come in here and I treat them like I would treat anybody. You're no different than anyone. When you come in here, you're a fighter trying to learn how to fight. Mm-hmm. I don't care where you come from, what, 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 how much money, it does not matter. I'm going to treat you like I'm going to treat any one of my fighters because now you're my fighter. Right. And they come in here and they get the, they give their best every time. And when they walk out here, they say, thank you, I needed this today. And man, to hear that, like, wow, like I'm doing something good. And I had a boy them, I had a boy myself. But that's those are your wins. Those are that's that's those are what you fight for now for these people to get the because you felt it. I felt what it feels like to to get the best out of myself. And I right. train, teach these people to do that and they're doing it. Right. They feel great about them. Some wives come up to me, thank you so much for what? My husband's such a nicer person, I want to get home, or vice versa, right? <laughs> and they just love it because right. you leave all that stress from the office or yep. from wherever in the gym, into the bag. I have to hit the bag, put all your stress into the bag. Let it sit in the bag. Don't take it home with you. Right. And they do. And, it's and therapy. Yeah, it's, that's all it is. It's the best. People, I have people come in and say, this is the best therapy and it's a lot cheaper than real therapy. Mm-hmm. You know, like going to the doctor and it's the best. And yeah. And I get to be part of it. Right. I, I tell people all the time, I, I could be driving to the gym in the morning and somebody could cut me off and I'm ready to I'm ready to go. I'm MFing them down the road, ready to hop out on them. Same person could cut me off when I'm leaving the gym, and I'm just yeah. like, eh, whatever, they're in a hurry. Hope they get there. Well, you know, there's just I, it's funny that you say that because I there's a story that I tell that I've read somewhere where there's two guys, one's driving home from work, stressed out. He get he almost gets into an accident. Someone put on from he cusses the guy out, yelling at him, rolls his window down. How dare you? I almost hit you, whatever. Gets home, slams the door. His wife and the kids come up to him. Get away from me. I don't want to be messing with you. I'm so mad. He goes into his room and he's upset. Another guy going home, almost gets into the same accident. Honks at the guy. He says, oh, my God, I could have killed myself. He goes home, opens the door, hugs his wife mm-hmm. and kids. Yeah. It's powerful. Different ways you can look at things in life and, and, and handle yourself. It's that easy. That's beautiful. Sir, I can't thank you enough for, for the time you did with here today. Thank you, the story. Thank this you. was an absolute honor. One of the things I like to way to, to wrap up the podcast is called the I Am Redemption Podcast. Mm-hmm. And, and my goal is to get people to understand that we all have this life experience and, and the truly to understand that it's a gift when you can take that experience and use it to help people. Yeah. And so... You've told your story here, and, and, and people know you, but I, I'd, I'd love it if they knew you a little bit more. And so if you would be, be so okay. kind, if you take a look in the camera yeah. and, and let them know who I am. So I'm Jesse James Leha. I'm from San Antonio, Texas. Um, five foot five, 150 pounds of pure steel and sex appeal. Let's go. Let's go. But I'm the good guy. And I'm, my redemption is that I love to give back to the people. Thank you, sir. Thank Thank you, man. Thank you. That might be the best I am anybody's (laughs) ever said right there. That was the best one of any podcast.
twisted steel and sex appeal, as <laughs> he said. Love, Love it. it.